passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Rewind the dynamite from the most recent sight. AEW, lighting up the fuse. Sit back and enjoy the bubbly. As we hear from John and Waiting. Where we're going, we don't need roads. And if the buck stops here, this thing might blow. Everything you hear, opinions of the show. And if you don't like it, go to the forums and let them know. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Rewind to Dynamite. I am John Pollock, along with Wei Ting. <laughs> I'm out of breath. I'm out of breath. This, this should not be a television viewing experience. Oh, it's a mad rush, you know, trying to make these uh, air times for us I, right I afterwards. Wish, I wish we could put a camera on me from 10 o'clock until 10.08 p.m. right now as we are starting. Yeah, yeah. It's a... Uh... I mean, trying to fit a bathroom break, even like in between that slide, you know, risky, less, risky. Oh man, no, you, you throws you, everything you, off. You gotta, you gotta make sure your water breaks are like, you know, um, set. You, it's like you're about to enter a, an F1 race, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a dash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just, I'm typing away. If if I hear something in the background, John, is everything okay? Understood. <laughs> yeah, understood. That's, yeah, that's it. Okay, let's all just take a <laughs> let's just we're good. We're fine. We'll get through this uh this whole review <laughs> discussing dynamite from Independence, Missouri, the Cable Dahmer Arena. Mm-hmm. Cable Dahmer. Okay, yes. interesting. Is that a person? Uh I, I don't think so. Uh Cable, Cable Dahmer. Dahmer, I would imagine it is huh. some kind of company. I, I always uh all yeah, right. you know what? I, I don't. I don't care. It doesn't matter. No, what does what matter, is. of course, is that you guys are joining us and listening to this. But if you don't know, uh, you can listen to us more than just three times a week or four times a week or however many times we're on the free feed. We are, of course, uh, supported by the Post Wrestling Cafe, which is our Patreon, and uh, that's where we have bonus shows almost every single day with uh, our post daily news updates and also the latest edition of Talk that's up there right now. That's right. That's right. If if you enjoy these uh, feats of endurance doing these dynamite reviews, the best thing to do is support us at the Post Wrestling Cafe, where we do more talking, sometimes in a long format discussing life events, such as this past Tuesday show that is up now, getting rave reviews. Exactly. The latest edition of Talk is up there. And then uh, tomorrow, I believe uh, me and WH Park will be talking about Ms. Marvel, the latest MCU show that's uh, up right now at Disney+. And then on Friday, it's Rewind to SmackDown. And all of those shows are exclusive to members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. Also, this Saturday is the latest edition of Postmarks that's coming out. So um, that uh, you can check that out as well at postwrestlingcafe.com. All right, and a UFC 275 post show will be live Saturday night right after the card with Phil Chair Talk and Eric Marcotte right here 
on the YouTube channel. So youtube.com slash post wrestling, subscribe. You'll never miss a show and you can just catch up on everything. I feel we should just go, go head first into dynamite way. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Let's go. We started things off in the cable Dahmer arena with the casino battle Royale. That means five groups of four, the clubs, the diamonds, the hearts and the spades would all be represented. And of course the elusive Joker. The Joker. Yeah. The 21st century. Yes, that's right. So already in the ring to start the show is Tony Nese, Daniel Garcia and Lance Archer, Darby Allen and Eddie Kingston getting entrances. They comprise the clubs, many clubs in wrestling. This being another one, Archer, a choke slam niece after he tried to work alongside him. And then Darby started using his skateboard on Archer and hit the Topicon hero to the floor and big chance for Eddie Kingston at the beginning here. And then we go to our second group. The diamonds are Ricky Starks, Jake Hager, Ray Phoenix, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. So the tag partners coming out together. But would there be a swerve? Mark Sterling is holding on to Swerve from the floor. So the niece attacks him and Lee eliminates niece and we get lee and archer facing off with one another the countdown clock begins and it's counting down like six five but i guess they wanted lee and archer to get through their whole sequence together because the buzzer just never went and they just kept fighting for like another 45 seconds a minute and it ends with keith lee eliminating archer and then the third group begins to come out so i guess they wanted to tie this in with the elimination with the next uh, set of entrants which would be the hearts not the uh not keith or bruce or uh brett or uh any other hearts john silver Uh, it could have been, it could have been Jimmy. You're right. Could have been Julia, uh, John Silver, uh, Konosuke Takeshita, Max Caster and the gun club. Max Caster does a rap. They're going to choke like Pat Mahomes and claims he broke CM Punk's foot. And we go through picture and picture. And then the final group are the spades with powerhouse Hobbs, Red Dragon, Kyle O'Reilly, and Bobby Fish, Dante Martin, and the returning Wheeler Yuta, who Excalibur notes just got off a plane several hours ago. And Darby hits a coffin drop to Red Dragon. Caster and the guns uh, scissor one another. And then there's a jumping spin kick as Phoenix eliminates Caster. And the, the ring has really piled up by this point. We've got about three eliminations by the time the 20 are in before the Joker comes out. So it, it was time to kind of uh, clean house here. Uh, Lee clotheslines the guns out. Swerve swerves his partner and he dumps Keith Lee out. The crowd was booing this. The, the one thing I will say, I don't think there's any spot I hate more in Battle Royals when the partner eliminates his partner and then the guy who gets eliminated like smiles too like you got me i trusted you i hate that spot so at least keith lee was pissed here that his partner eliminated him what the purpose of this is we will find out but um yeah they uh had swerve eliminate keith lee and then he tried and pulled his shit with darby later too i think it's maybe to show you know um uh maybe a bit more of an edge to swerve than usual um, he's not necessarily somebody to be trusted. And then the Joker is the returning and married Andrade El Idolo, who is out. And that is our 21. Tony Schiavone asks, where's Wardlow? I think many people were asking many questions about some omissions in this battle royal. 
I'll ask him about that later on tonight when I interview him. So then we we just go through a bunch of eliminations here. I won't air every one of them or go through them all. But the key ones, and the camera missed this. Eddie Kingston is on the apron, and Jake Hager runs and knocks him over. They would show a replay later because that would play into um, an angle for Rampage. And then Yuta dumps out Hager. Uh, we see uh, a bunch of eliminations here. Comes down to the final four, and that is Wheeler Yuta, Andrade, Kyle O'Reilly, and Phoenix. And Phoenix... Flips into Andrade, and I guess Andrade was to catch him and dump him over, but they messed this up and had to redo the elimination spot. So Phoenix is out. Crowd is into Yuta. Andrade runs at both and gets back body dropped out, and it's down to Kyle and Yuta. They're on the edge of the apron. Dragon screw to Yuta through the rope, the rope, and a running boot sends Yuta out. Kyle O'Reilly is your winner of the Casino Battle Royale to take on John Moxley in the main event. Mm-hmm. I personally feel like these casino battle royales have come a long way in AEW, you know, from some of their opening uh, ones that we've seen um, before they even had TV to what they are today. Um, obviously, it's really helped because you have a whole roster now full of storylines and full of personalities and a much more star-studded roster than they used to have. But I just feel like even the layout of these, uh, maybe, you know, the countdown mishap with Keith Lee uh, notwithstanding, I, I think they've just greatly improved. And I thought this was excellent. Um, exciting throughout the whole thing. Good shine for a number of people, not just the people at the very end here. Of course, the Giants always, you know, seem to um, get get some get get some, get something out of these battle royals, and this was the case, of course, for Keith Lee. But also, I thought the acrobats like Adante Martin or Ray Phoenix really shined here. Um, but of course, I think the the people you'll you'll come out of this thinking the most of uh, will probably be a combination of either Swerve Strickland, who again I think they were using this battle role to almost frame it as uh, into a bit of a tweener role. So we'll get to see you know where they go with either him and uh, Lee or or Darby Allen following this. He's being positioned as somebody who's smart and not necessarily you know just somebody who blindly you know ha- has allegiances to to his friends. But the person that, that I think gained the most outside of the winner. Uh, throughout all this was the returning Wheeler Yuta, who I thought was perfectly booked here. You know, be given the spotlight, uh, down to the final two uh, as the the only babyface remaining at the end of all this. Perfectly booked, as I thought, as the underdog who just fell short, uh, despite the incredible effort. I, I thought, in terms of a of a start to finish match, I, I thought this was executed very well. I think that there were a lot of exciting spots in the match. That the talent was there. I think, though, the bigger issue I had with this is that this match felt like we made it very clear that of the roster there is the upper class the middle class and the lower class and this was a battle royal of the middle class maybe you could argue Eddie Kingston being kind of in that role that you can see higher but it just felt like a lot of your major names were not in this because we have these angles mapped out we don't want to beat anyone trivially but at the same time, it's it just feels like we did not have any kind of faith in putting any of those names in where we trivialize a loss. And therefore, we're building a battle royal where at the end of this, you're to believe that this guy is going to beat one of the upper class guys in John Moxley. And I think that no one was coming out of this battle royal believing that would be the outcome. And I would say, like, if this was your idea of this is not what we originally planned and we don't want like you had no Jericho in this. You had no hangman. You had no Wardlow. And 
I know I complained about it Monday that you need an explanation for Becky. I also don't want like five different segments explaining why major names aren't in there. And granted, there are some they are also hurt with injuries, which have affected some of your bigger players, too. But to the fan at home, they're just seeing all of these names like Jericho and Danielson and Cole and Samoa Joe and even your Wardlow's. Your rankings, like where was Jay Lethal, who's fifth on your rankings? And it just felt like none of your biggest stars were in this. And the end result is that you're left to believe that your middle class, it's they are not going to beat an upper class level of wrestler. And I can understand the think the thought process that you want to make the when that does happen, it should be a big deal. But I feel that almost never happens in AEW. And I, I I just saw a lot of reaction that like no one believed Kyle had a chance here against Moxley. And was this battle royal the best way to go about this if if you were not going to have all of your stars in this that are gunning for this big interim championship that is your substitute for a world title? Right. Um so, I mean, I always looked at battle royals as almost like shortcuts, you know, much in the way like like a Money in the Bank would be or a Royal Rumble would be, you know, a shortcut to the main event that negates uh, the, the rankings, the theoretical rankings, even in the WWE. The idea is that anybody can have a chance. And we don't know the process of how somebody gets selected for a casino battle royal in AEW. Um, but I mean, I can assume that it probably doesn't have as much to do with whatever. Like, I don't think they even know. The, the point is. It's not really a question I'm personally asking, John, when it comes to something like this. I know that AEW puts a lot of emphasis in their ranking system, but I guess I'm not holding I'm, them to it as I'm not much. either. The, the rankings only have to be like a guideline. But I think at the same time, like, why are a lot of your major stars not like you literally have a segment later where Wardlow, like said this title's a joke i'm not going for this interim belt i want the real thing so it's almost like you've kind of like buried this whole thing to begin with like if if that's going to be the treatment of this so what and your biggest better? stars don't want it then why should i be even caring about this interim championship so would it have been better if they didn't have a wardlow explanation or would it have been better better are you suggesting if they don't do an interim championship at all I would argue that the battle royal was not the way. Like you almost could have just done Moxley versus X in your main event, and the winner is going to. How do you choose X? Uh, how did they choose Moxley? Because he's number one contender. So number two. Yeah, they could have done that, um, but then I guess they're they'd be short one segment on the show. Okay, I do not worry about this show having enough people to fill segments. I mean, I, I understand the idea like you want to have, you know, a little bit of a story, you know, so that Moxley doesn't just have a straight path to Tanahashi and you wanted to give the rub to somebody who otherwise might not necessarily get that. And they did that with Kyle O'Reilly. And you can argue they did it with a lot of other people to the to this battle royal, you know, in in a in a in a Wheeler Yuta, you know, or a Swerve Strickland. So. I, I think we are often a lot harder on AEW uh, when it comes to these things because they've kind of, you know, um, promoted sort of their own standard and their own storytelling structure at such a high level. But if this was the WWE, I don't I think we'd be applauding the fact that they were giving us reasons why Wardlow wasn't going into this. Um, and I don't think we'd be questioning who who, who is enter Why are these people entering this battle royal or this person isn't? Well, I, I, I thought it was a 
a, a negative overall of what of what they had and and just where a lot of the key people are that are featured. Like you look at your major players from the last pay-per-view and it just kind of gives you this impression that this interim championship is outside of who the who big are the guns people, are going for it. Well, who are the big guns that are missing outside of Jericho, Jericho, Joe, okay. Miro, hangman, which well, they, they are coming up with a storyline for uh, yeah. Wardlow, Samoa Joe. So Malachi Wardlow, Black, if Ward- you want to throw that in there. So Wardlow, they have they had that explanation, and I suppose their explanation for Miro and Black are the fact that they're entered in this other tournament as well. Maybe there's it's a it's a one tournament tournament policy that anybody can can only sign up for at one time. Um, I mean that's that that could be the explanation. Like if they gave you that explanation, would that have been satisfying enough? If you can only enter one tournament at a time, um, okay, I guess. I mean, for me, it wasn't something that bothered me, you know, but maybe well, other people it did. Well, I'm just saying, and listen, it's not, um, I, I just think when it's, if you're the viewer at home, like there's been no explanation of Brian Danielson on television. So if you're just watching this, you're not aware that he's, he's not available. You're just seeing that he's not in this and you're seeing like Jeff Hardy on the show. You're just watching him on this show and, and he's not involved in this. That's not explained. Um, right. Adam Cole, you see him on this show. Like, yes, they were removed from the tag last week, but they're right there. Why are they? not getting involved in any of this. Uh, Scorpio Sky, you see him walk out on the show. Why is he not interested in this? So I, I think that brings about just, when you couple it all together, I just think that it's, um, I just think the Battle Royal cr- created unnecessary issues that they created these holes for themselves that if you didn't have an intention, like Wardlow was a big one. And I thought the explanation was kind of lacking that he just said this title isn't important to him. It's not the real title. Like, yes, they addressed it. But did that really enhance this tournament with that explanation? Uh, No, and I don't think that was their intent. I think their intent was to, you know, silence or at least give an answer to the people that would inevitably be asking where was Wardlow in this. Um, and if they tried to come up with explanations for all the other people about why Samoa Joe wasn't in this or Malachi Black wasn't in this, I mean, you're just creating more problems at that point, aren't you? So, and that goes back to my problem about a battle royal where you have 21 spots. And if you have all these people you don't want to put into it, could we have not just done like a like four, pick your four people or pick just an opponent from Oxley? And you, you could certainly fill this these opening 30 minutes with with others, other content. So, I mean, again, it, it just... It, I, I get the sense that they wanted to do, do a Battle Royal simply. They probably thought a Battle Royal was more exciting than to just, hey, say number two versus number one gets that spot. Um, and and it, again, it's a, it's a way that you can tell a narrative throughout an entire show, have one person basically kind of compete twice, and also tell other stories through the Battle Royal. Personally, I just kind of think of it as simply as that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I, I don't, I, I know, again, AEW, like, really tries to present itself as like you know um who's holding the camera in the back you know and they have to have a, a, an answer for everything but at some point like i'm just willing to accept it as a professional wrestling show so and again here if we look at the rankings like if it's number one it's sean moxley who's number two it's wardlow and they don't ha- want to have wardlow lose number three is hangman page you know so so at that point what do you do number if number four is Adam Cole. So do you do John Moxley versus Jay Lethal simply because they are the top two ranked people? It's, it, I don't think it's all that different from John Moxley versus Kyle O'Reilly in your main event. Like I think O'Reilly but, and Lethal. But I you at is. least have a story with Kyle O'Reilly leading into it. 
anyway, okay, okay the- but it, 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 I'm I'm not trying to like nitpick here either, and I understand how that how it can come across. But I think the larger thing is that there is so many people they don't want to lose, and that when you have a Kyle O'Reilly like go through this battle royal, like mm-hmm. I don't know if you really created that feeling that wow he's going to beat John Moxley tonight. Like there is a chance he can win because of this overarching theme that that level does not beat the top class. And I think that's very much established. And the fact that this battle Royal was so designed to protect so many people by not putting them in there only reinforces that. I guess like for me, that's so much of AEW though. Like you, you like Moxley versus most people. You're not expecting, you know, that, that person to beat Moxley. So like if it was Jamie lethal versus John Moxley, I wouldn't have expected it, you know, like no. it wouldn't wouldn't have made that big of a difference. So are you saying they're 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 like John Moxley is being protected at a level that nobody else is, and that no, I'm I'm saying act- there's almost so many of like this upper class that I don't think they wanted to throw in a Jericho here just so he could be like could go to the end. Would that be well, impactful? Wardlow, Wardlow would be but, one of those examples. Yeah. And Hangman, and you can go through others that they didn't want. In, but in, in the end, John, this was just the TV main event. You know, this was just some sort of like structure that they created to create a compelling TV main event. We all know it's going to be John Moxley versus very likely Hiroshi Tanahashi at the pay-per-view. And they just need to, to in two weeks time in one week's time, come up with a quick story to get him there in that position. All right. We've spent a lot of time on this, so let's uh, continue on. Um, afterwards, Moxley cuts a promo about big game hunting in New Japan for years and that it's been a strange year. And. He was going, he said at the beginning of the year, he would grab pro wrestling by the balls and Kyle is in the wrong place at the wrong time. The forbidden door belongs to him. This is three years in the making. And tonight, the Wednesday night wars come to life and new Japan and the entire sport belongs to him. And he loves his mother. Yeah. Quick promo. Like this was like seconds after O'Reilly won. The man had already all all of this uh, thought up, you know, I bet he got tipped off that, uh, Kyle O'Reilly's odds were high in this, I bet. Maybe, maybe. Or maybe not. Maybe he was just watching it live and just had no no idea. Maybe he was rooting for uh, Kingston or Yuta. Yuta, maybe. But a nice promo here. Maybe he cut one for every single 20, <laughs> all 21 people, and they just played the Austin gun. <laughs> Saddle up, because yeah. it's going to be a smoking gun tonight. If we are going to be nitpicking, or at least like, you know, pointing out the details, that is something that I feel was a, a little bit tougher to believe in. The fact the gun that gun club like, being in this? No, the oh. fact that they leave such little space between these segments. Like, it was literally Kyle O'Reilly eliminates Wheeler Yuta. Like, I, I have to think, like, not more than like 10 seconds, and we go to the back. And it's not like Mox was like watching a monitor or something. Like, this was clearly what felt like to me a pre taped interview. That he already had set up, you know, oh, it's the, it's the Wednesday Night Wars, you know, like such and such. Anyway, letting letting the, the moments breathe a little to me is always just like something that I think the show could benefit from. I, I don't disagree at, at all about that. But this is a very fast show where they mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. We got to move. They give an update that CM Punk has had surgery on his lower leg, his lower leg, which is I don't know why. They, the I upper, mean, Max Caster kind of like didn't he just out it as like the, the foot in his rap? But it was lower leg, lower leg. Well, maybe there's there are more bones than than just the foot. Well, he had surgery, but they don't have any any update beyond that. So good that he has had surgery now. And then they state, guys, it's time for a new championship here in AEW. And I think every single person were like, all right, they're they're showing like uh, 
we, we saw members of the House of Black. We saw uh, Pento was in this. It's like, okay, we're we're getting our trios titles. No, 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 no. It is a championship dedicated to uh, the body of water that separates North America and Europe. And we'll somehow, somehow this incorporates Japan as well. And China, like you saw, China They're flag. all represented way. I guess all water eventually flows into each other, right? Like we're, it's all <laughs> one is. big ocean, right? <laughs> you don't have to separate it with names. It's water, okay? It takes up a huge part of the, mm, of the atmosphere. The water championship, okay. The water championship. <laughs> they are introducing the All-Atlantic Championship. A tournament will begin tonight with all international talent. So I don't know who can get into this and who can't. I guess we have established Americans are banned from this thing. Is there no American in this? No, no we have we have right. Buddy Matthews against Pack. That would happen tonight. Next mm-hmm. week, it's Bulgaria versus Canada with Miro and Ethan Page. Uh, Penta Oscuro versus Malachi Black. And then there will be a New Japan match, but the participants have not been announced. So it might not be Japanese talent. It may be international talent. I think you would expect at least one Japanese person. Regardless, the four winners will meet at Forbidden Door for the chance to become the first All-Atlantic Championship. And in a four-way match. Yes. So a new singles title. (laughs) Just what AEW needed. I mean, I couldn't believe this, honestly. I was shocked. We were already complaining that this show had too many belts, you know, between... um, uh, obviously all the, all of their own an ftw championship that gets defended maybe like you know three ROH, times three times AAA, a year. And, the, and the roh titles exactly new japan is now i mean yeah. you're working with them at the same time i i don't understand this at all i mean there, dude, there is there's, they there's, love belts they just love belts if there's there has been demand from the audience for the trios championship tony khan has said as much that they are ready and they're waiting to introduce them so we thought this would all be the moment uh, and instead, it's just like a sing- another singles championship that honestly none of the fans ever asked for. I can like, is it? Do you think that there's like an ulterior motive to this? Like, is there some sort of international deal that they're looking for? You know that that somehow this this title might be able to spearhead. Like, what? Why introduce this this right now? Wait, I have no clue. I have no clue what adding a championship would mean. Like, okay, sure, this can be our international title that we send people to other companies to defend. I don't know. You have so many singles titles. What what designates the All-Atlantic champion that's different from your TNT champion, that differentiates it from your ROH TV champion? I, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is like what all what New Japan fell in love with. Just so many titles. And mm-hmm. dude, when you're sitting down and watching a card and eight of the nine matches are title matches, it's like, yeah, you you're gonna have like one to two titles that mean something and the rest are just they're there. It's like I, I don't think it's this killer, but it's just it's a title that is just add them to the pile. And I just I was stunned that we are adding a singles belt. I mean, ultimately, to me, it kind of waters down the, the the idea of anybody winning a championship. You know, like what what what's so special about somebody winning a pure championship? Like, by the way, Wheeler Yuta is pure champion. Do we all forget about that? Yes. Um. You know, like yeah, like all all these other things. Um. I I'd love to know the explanation because I I don't know if like Tony Khan has necessarily seemed like somebody who's fallen in love with the concept of just like giving a belt to somebody to make them feel special. I have to think that there's got to be another reason for it, but I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe there isn't. Maybe, maybe it's as simple as, "Hey, we need a tournament. We need a new new belt." Um, there it is. He's got an office of, full of them. What do you think of the belt design? Any thoughts on that? 
I mean, it's got the flags on it. I don't know why it's called the All-Atlantic Championship, but uh, whatever. Yeah. It's Same another reason. belt. Like, I, I don't have much attachment to it. No, exactly. I guess, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll one for the Like, belt. what does this oh, signal? Like this. What, what does winning this champion signal? Are you the best of, like, oh, the boy. non-U.S. talent? Like, what, what does this signify? Right. You're the best non-American, <laughs> um, you know. I mean, if, in, in, in the... I sort of. Well, why can't system. you have a, an American in this? No, maybe you are. I, I have no idea. Well, they're not but included in the, in the rankings of of their belt. I mean, this exists likely, certainly above the FTW Championship, but below the TNT title. I have to think, right? So this is your third tier belt. Where where does it rank among the ROH titles? You think? I mean, Joe's got your TV title, and I think I think he's positioned above this. Yeah. Gresham's is certainly well, and it should be above that. Gresham doesn't really have a um, visibility on AEW though, so yeah, well, okay, fine, all right. But but the, Joe but, does like Joe kind of feels like the like the flag bearer for Ring of Honor at the moment. And I would I would put the tag team championships, maybe both sets of tag team titles between the ROH and and the AEW titles, likely above this one. So we're talking about like the, the fifth or sixth title that you know. That in terms of importance that somebody could win. It's Maybe someone's that- going to win this, and then they're going to feud with the IWGP United States champion because the, the U.S. title exists in New Japan. Right, okay. Then you can, I mean, one is land, one is sea, I suppose. Okay. So maybe uh, at some point we'll get a Pacific championship and we'll unite the whole How about the Arctic Western champion? Hemisphere. Will the Arctic be uh, represented with a championship belt? I think every country should just have its own belt. Yeah. Well, Pack against Buddy Matthews, and this was in fact the first time that they have had a singles match. They we were actually, both mistaken. They They've did never not met. cross paths in a two hundred five live. Mm-hmm. Um, it, these were two. It's it's sometimes funny to watch during the picture in picture, like who kind of slows down and who are like, "Cool, I don't care if it's a commercial." These guys were just going through the commercial. Oh yeah, they don't care. Um, Pack. I mean, both of these. They they, they work tremendous together. There was a tilt world DDT to Matthews while draped in the middle row. Pack hit a big lariat, sunset flip off the top, and then rolls through into a sit out power bomb uh, for a two count. And then Pack leaps backward off the middle turnbuckle into a poison rana that looked fantastic. Pump kick in the corner, black arrow, and he pins Buddy Matthews. Uh, Pack is incredible, and I don't feel he gets kind of singled out all that often when you're talking about. Like mm-hmm. the talents in the, in this company or in the world for that matter, but mm-hmm. um, he wins this match and qualifies for the four war, four way at Forbidden Door. Yeah, these two have always been great in pretty much every single TV appearance that you see them in, um, whether it be you know on on a show like Two Hundred Five Live or uh, here. You know, they're it's really nice though that now these two are in front of an audience that can really appreciate it. They're being put on primetime television on one of the biggest stages that that exists in professional wrestling, and you have a crowd that treats them, or at least treats the match like it's a big deal. Um, but you know, I think. You're right about Pack, but I think much of that is is because maybe of during the pandemic. I mean that 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 took out a, a good chunk of his time, and even he after, couldn't cross the Atlantic. <laughs> he needed the chance. Now he's getting maybe his revenge. That. I'm taking over yeah. the Atlantic. This this title prop maybe represents you know like a pandemic proof like visa for for these wrestlers to be able to cross borders. So, dude, I'm not even kidding. If that came as a stipulation, like they get like. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, a visa, an infinity <laughs> visa, yeah. permanent residency totally. in the yeah. U.S. with this yeah. title. 
if you no, win per- it. Permanent like resident. literally, I'd be like, that would be a great perk for an yeah. overseas wrestler to oh come to America and they get per- permanent residency. Oh, totally, absolutely. I think of all the Canadians that would love love to have this. All the Australians, yeah, everybody would be buying for this championship. Man. So maybe that's what it is. Um, Bring in but, speedball for this tournament. That, that's it. Yeah. So you know, he's really, I think, been hurt by, by you know some some sort of inconsistency of, of appearances, a lot of start and stops, and injuries and whatnot. So, um, and he's returning now, maybe being more consistent at a time when the talent and the competition in the company is so much more than when it was when he started with the company, where he was one of the you know, what felt like one of the top guys at the very start of this company. So um, he's always going to be like a great worker that I think they'll put into positions like these, but maybe he's a leading candidate to win, win this championship. Yeah. I mean, just looking at the brackets, I would assume Miro beats page and what Malachi black beats Penta. I think so. I would go with that. I mean, yeah, black, black, I think is, is in need of a big win. Yeah, you I don't, I don't think you have Japan. to put pack and Penta, you know, you have your one death triangle representative, one house of black, and then whoever uh, the new Japan, uh, like, uh, representative is yeah and it's a four-way of course so you know like it's not like um any single one person has to take a pinfall um directly but miro actually i'm looking at the field and i i think miro and black are you know what does miro need another championship like he says he's going for the he's going for god's house he's going for god's heaven heaven is not a belt you can wear though we need the all heaven championship yeah that's like a uh a home address uh, the Death Triangle and House of Black Road, they were staring down each other, and this is uh, setting up Malachi and uh, Penta for whenever that match is done, probably in the very near future. Eddie Kingston is in the back. He has been given a minute to address the audience and Jake Hager. Hager cost him the chance to be world champion. I hate you, Daniel Garcia. I hate 2.0, whatever your name is. I'm coming to get you, Jericho. And he yells at the producer trying to count him down and gave the best line, yeah, yeah, TV. <laughs> He wants Jake Hager on Rampage. I don't care if it's after the NHL. I don't care if it's after the NBA. And then he pulls the PA guy in and announces, this is my outline. (laughs) I would say like this sort of promo is almost the exact antithesis of what we heard from Rhea Ripley and Damian Priest and Edge on Monday. (laughs) You know, this this is like... (laughs) there's no bullshit about this whatsoever. Like we're here to make the There's a guy counting me down. And I'm not going to pay attention to him. Um, no one's writing these words. Like, yeah, it, it totally works. Trent Beretta is in the ring. He says it's national best friends day, but his best friends are not here. And he had a match for the ROH tag titles. Didn't win, but also didn't lose. This was when Cobb and O'Conn uh, broke up the match with FTR and said, thinks that Rapongi vice deserve another shot. And he challenges FDR. To come make things right. And from the tomb came uh, Franklin Delano <laughs> Roosevelt to officially put into law that Rapongi Vice, uh, he yeah. was going to uh, make the, make a declaration here. FTR come the out. The real forbidden door. Yes, the yes. Door to the afterlife. FTR out. They are fighting champions. They want to prove they are the best team on the planet. And, I mean, if it was up to us, we'd give these fine folks in Kansas City a treat. And Trent says that you should, or they tell Trent, you should have a problem with Will Ospreay's bitch boys. And with that, out comes the head bitch, Will Ospreay, making his AEW debut as he comes out. And it's a distraction, allowing Aaron Hanare and Ozzy Open to attack FTR and Trent. Crowd is chanting, oh, holy shit. Trent gets dropped and hit with the hidden blade. 
And that was the introduction of Will Ospreay and the other members of the United Empire that uh, we had not seen previously on Dynamite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess compared to, you know, Jeff Cobb and Great O'Conn, this this was the biggest one to have uh, made an appearance ahead of Forbidden Door in this did, cycle. Did this feel big enough for, like, Will Ospreay showing up on AEW? Well, I think the match they're building towards, though, it, it seems to me like it might be a faction multi-man match though I, i'm not really getting the sense yeah that we're they're doing the six man on rampage right but even at forbidden door I, I i i like are we certain that will osprey will be getting a singles match oh i'm not thinking that i'm thinking united empire is probably yeah grouped together yeah and if you're going to do that I, I i felt like well then why not introduce him as part of the united empire rather than you know will osprey single star yeah right? i understand that you're kind of beholden to the card and what it is but um I'll just say by by the end of it, I like I just envisioned the first time Will Ospreay shows up on AEW would be like one of those massive things. And I I don't know if this was like readily um, being referenced once the show was over. I mean, well, yeah, sure. Like we you you can definitely argue that Will Ospreay, the single star, means a whole lot more than Will Ospreay as a part of United Empire. But I, I think, you know, this was more to set up the faction wars. And and I think for Aussie Open and uh, you know Aaron Hanare, them just showing up by themselves would have meant absolutely nothing. Would have garnered no reaction. So I think, I, I think most people are hearing Aaron Hanare was part of this angle for the first time as we recap it. Perhaps, yeah, perhaps you know. Uh, but Will Osprey was certainly there, I think, to help them. Yeah. But you know, like they could still do a singles match, and I think you'll still get that big reaction, John, if it's Will Osprey face to face in the ring for the first time against x you know like whoever you know like name like name name your dream match opponent that's on the AEW roster for for will osprey you'll get that holy shit chat again yeah i mean the way this is set up is that you you feel it's going to be ftr and the best friends which i i think you want to have someone on that side that is the the counter to osprey that is a really you know hmm. exciting opponent for him i don't know if ft like fine match but um yeah, we'll, we'll see what that side is made up of, if that is the direction they go. Shivani is with Kyle O'Reilly and Cole and Fish, who are with William Regal. And they bring up their history together. And Regal warns him about Moxley and asks if he's ready for this. Think about your wife and your friends. Will they miss you? And it would be a shame that he has to be on commentary when his head gets cracked open. And O'Reilly cuts a spirited promo about how he always is thinking about his family, lists off all his recent victories, and Adam Cole tells him, you've got this. Mm-hmm. I think a pretty decidedly like babyface tone for Kyle O'Reilly here, you know, coming off of, I mean, he definitely played a heel more towards the end of that uh, casino battle role, but just simply the fact that he is coming in after what was a pretty exhausting battle royal performance that felt, felt what, like 20 minutes or something like that. How long was that battle royal? 25 almost. Oh my God, that long. Wow. So, I mean, the man, the man just went through that. Now he's having to face John Moxley in the main event. And, you know, <laughs> William Regal, like he basically was defending his family here while, you know, going in as, as the major underdog. So I really felt like this was a good fiery baby face scramble from Kyle that we haven't heard, you know, of course, since his, uh, Babyface run in uh, NXT. Cool Kyle. Cool, cool Kyle, yeah. Hangman Page against David Finley. Adam Cole is out on commentary with his Owen belt that he's still carrying around. And Page uh, knocks Finley off the apron and hits a big tope suicida and takes a fan's beer and starts drinking it. 
Uh, we go through the break right after Finley snaps the leg and chop blocks Page's knee, so he works over it uh, throughout the break, gets caught with a fallaway slam from Page, and Finley hits his backbreaker over the knee, and Page rolls through on the crossbody. It's countered with an inside cradle for a two, and then a released German. Page lands on his feet, lariat and buckshot lariat, which every time I watch now, I'm just going to watch for the landing, and uh, Page hits it. Wins the match in 10 minutes and 22 seconds. Uh, a nice match between these two. You had, I, I thought it was a tough spot for David Finley, but I, I thought he worked like a very nice match here for a crowd that is probably not as familiar with him. And right. also understand the role he's in. Like, uh, again, you're not beating one of the upper class. No, you're not. No, I mean, not on, like that's what TV matches are for. No, right? no, I'm not arguing it should have been any other outcome. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, Finley, for me, it was like the first time I've had a look at him in, in quite a while, you know, since he's done this new look and, and this new sense of aggression. Um, I, I that to me certainly came across. And, um, you know, yeah, on the on the total pole of like, you know, a, New Japan crossovers, he's he's pretty much towards the bottom. But I think like it, it, he showed some really like great potential for uh, further character development and growth uh, whenever that time comes for him. But uh, yeah, th- otherwise it's just a, just a strong baby face win for Paige. It's a win for Paige as he's back on the program and he says he has a lot of things he wants to say about the AEW title. But tonight is not the night. I wasn't in the little battle royal and I won't be getting a title shot anytime soon. So is he being held back by mysterious forces? Well, he. He's American, so that he's not he doesn't qualify for this it's, all it, there is some discrimination going on in AEW against Americans. He could challenge for Joe's TV championship. Maybe that's what he's gonna have to do. He has to go back to square one. Uh but since that is the case, there isn't just one championship in pro wrestling. I'm like, hangman, if you're shut out of one title, this is the place to be. Oh, he that FT W title is his if he you wants. You do not you yeah. could throw a rock and you're going to hit five titles in this company. Yeah. So he issues a challenge for the IWGP Championship. I want Okada. And Adam Cole interrupts and speaking on behalf of New Japan says, "Hey, we this is a big show on Sunday. Jay White could very well win this title. You're forgetting about that." And says the page isn't a champion anymore while I am the Owen Hart tournament winner and he should be the one to get the shot at the IWGP title. He's the new franchise player and warns Paige to stay out of his way. So you have these two vying for the chance to face for the IWGP title. Another tournament. Set it up, guys. All right. Winner of this. Battle Royal next week. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So what is it? What are we getting? Cole versus Paige again? I guess if Cole can go. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Sure. I mean, they've, they've been good matches, you know, we, it's just, um, I don't know how excited to be honest. I, I, I get anymore, especially like, I feel like it's a pretty obvious, um, tease at this point that it, it will be page. So, um, the reports were right, or at least they, uh, maybe it's not final. Maybe, maybe it could be, you know, something else, but, and, and if anything got, you know, mess switched around over the last yeah. week from what from what this card was like. That is also mm-hmm. a possibility in all of this. Do, well, okay, so I I have a good feeling that it, to me, like Page is a bigger name than than Cole, and I think Page going for the IWGP Championship. I think that that would be great. He he name drops Okada, but could it be Jay White? You know, like do you think that the the star quality, the the name value of that pay per view match is in any less if it's Page versus White? Um, 
Oh, I, I think I think that's certainly a reduction if you're having Jay White defending the title versus Okada that I mm-hmm. think that that audience wants. Um, I can't completely throw it out there. They are going all in with the Bullet Club and this kind of renewal of the Bullet Club in New Japan. And you're also going into G1 season. So if it may be that they feel Okada without the title going into the G1 is more favorable, um, I would lean towards Okada keeping this title, but you can't uh, completely disqualify the idea of Jay White winning and then messing this whole thing up. Mm, Because Jay White has been tied to, you know, this Adam Cole um, character a lot more. Like you can make sense of either one realistically, but I agree with you. Okada versus Page is definitely the bigger match. Yeah. But this pay-per-view as well, it's it's also about, you know, the idea that you might want to save certain matches and, um, so we'll, we'll see. The, maybe maybe they have like added some more intrigue to this main event at Dominion. This post-wrestling podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Financial literacy can be daunting, but it's one of the most valuable things you can equip yourself with. On NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast, their trusted financial journalists offer easily digestible conversational discussions on topics like balancing your portfolio. If you think an ETF is one of Cena's five moves of doom, this show might be for you. Planning for your tax bills this April, so you don't have to worry about a visit from Erwin R. Scheister. And putting away more money for retirement, because unlike most wrestlers at the end of their careers, most of us should only plan on retiring once. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Marina Shafir confronted Thunder Rosa earlier in the day, said, what's your problem? Marina says, I want to be your problem. Can you solve me? <laughs> Which I'm going to use for the the rest of my days. The next time someone asks if I have a problem, like, I want to be like, your problem. Can you solve me? Is she like the Riddler here? Yeah, this was a uh, quite the setup. Got her a title match. Didn't have to go through some 25 minute battle royal. That's Didn't have it. to beat John Moxley. Didn't have to go through anything. It's not that right, hard. Right place, right time. That's it. Shivani brings out Wardlow. Um, throughout the night, there were a bunch of like MJF signs facing the hard cam. There were some T-shirts as well, and that was kind of the the extent and- of the MJF representation. They kept him off the show. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, no reference you, to him other than like the signs and stuff that, that were there. And there were there were several of them. Do we, do we see MJF before Forbidden Door? I would think no. I, I think he's got to be off for, for a bit. Um, hmm. Yeah, that, that would be my guess. Yeah, interesting. I, I, I was I mean, I'm not that surprised, but like I thought there there would have been a good chance that like Tony Khan would have just been, found some way to like sneak him in here. Sit down, interview Jim Ross with, with Tony Khan. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Wardlow opted not to be in the battle royal. Uh, there's Wardlow chance. He says, welcome to Wardlow's world. He asked not to be in the battle royal because I don't he- know if welcome to Wardlow's world is like is as cool of a thing as like walking out with like handcuffs. And would you go music, to that theme park? Know? Wardlow's world? Yeah. What would be there? Like a, a powerbomb ride? Yeah, you could uh um yeah, the symphony of power bombs. And uh <laughs> yeah. They'd have 20 security guards throughout the park. And no music whatsoever. No, none. Park. None. Okay. Sounds so, terrible. Yes, and you sign away all of your rights. He asked not to be in the battle royal because CM Punk is our champion, and if I'm not tapping him out or pinning him, I don't want it yet. And he tells Punk to heal up quickly and we'll be waiting when he gets back. Um, you, you tell me if I'm being too critical. I thought that they so like undermine the entire point of an interim title when one of your key stars is saying that's not the real title and I don't want it. Right. 
Well, let, let's say if it was the UFC, okay? And I mean, they have interim championships all the time. Um, and, and you and you've definitely had that where someone's won the interim title and not treated it as the real title. Um, sure, but they but the the key is they 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 won it, you know. And they won not- it, and the the message was, "I want the real title," and it's yeah. setting up your next fight. Right. Understood. Okay, but let's say there's a, there's some sort of interim championship um, match. And you have another contender who, you know, somehow has taken themselves out of the running for it. Does it make it any less uh, of a legitimate interim championship if there is such a thing as a legitimate? In the end, I, I mean, I, I can understand it, where it you're coming from. It means something for fighters because if you get an interim title, it comes with like like points as a, as a champion. Sure. So it's actually very advantageous for you. Well, exactly. So in this case, like, I don't think of Moxley going for the interim championship. Uh, I don't think of it as any less. Like, it, I, I see it as Wardlow's case in particular for him. His preference is that he doesn't go this route, but it doesn't make it any less legitimate for somebody like a John Moxley or, or a Kyle O'Reilly. I, I think I think you're in a difficult spot here because you didn't want to put Wardlow in any of this interim title stuff. And mm-hmm. it makes no sense for him not to be in it. But in doing so, I think it really just undermined the whole focus of this. Like these every we just watched these 21 guys go 25 minutes for this opportunity. Our show is built around this thing, but it's also like at the end of it, it's it's not the real belt and I, and I don't want it. So that was the explanation that they they went with. I, I don't know if I would have come up with this explanation, but um, honestly, I think any explanation would have been silly. Cause like if he the if the guy wants a shot at punk, this is the most direct line to get to a shot at punk. You win this championship, which is essentially just a number one title, like number one contender spot, and he gets the, the match with punk. Why wouldn't he do that? So he, he literally said, "I want to go for the TNT title instead." Well, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, isn't that uh, whatever? In the end, like, like you, you're they didn't want. We know the reasons why it's really tough in professional wrestling. Wait, I think Tony Khan overly complicated this whole thing. I understand you had a show to format. You were throwing a curveball here with your biggest star being out. But I think that this, like this show for me, it was just very much overthought and created a lot of gaps on a show that I'm sorry, I'm not going to compare to Raw because they have established. Uh, consistency and this was a show that to me had a lot more gaps than usual and i think it undermined a lot of stuff that they're going towards with this interim championship i suppose um you you're thinking that they're overthinking is more me thinking that you might be overthinking and and you know questioning because like i was not questioning all all, too much of of it all and in the end to me this is just professional wrestling they need to give me any little excuse and i'm likely to buy it but that's not going to work for everybody. You know, everybody kind of has their own sensitivity of, of like what they can buy, what they what they don't. He's, he goes over that uh, there's a title that several men have diminished recently. That's the TNT title. And it's time for a change. So Scorpio Sky walks out and he is stopped by Ethan Page and Dan Lambert. And Wardlow says, if you have a bad knee, I've got all the time in the world because I'm signed now. And I'll wait until you're 110 percent. So that looks to be his focus going after Scorpio Sky, who we did not get an update on. He had mentioned on on Twitter that he had uh, gone in with it with a bad knee on Friday and then suffered a muscle strain. So um, we'll see. Didn't didn't wrestle on this show. Yeah, and this one will be somewhat interesting because I feel like with the way that they've been booking Wardlow, there's no result other than you know Wardlow beating Scorpio Sky uh, on first try, 
And Scorpio Sky is somebody who I I could say hasn't really had that TNT title run yet. I mean, he's had something with Sammy Guevara and and this whole thing with like Kaz. Um, hasn't necessarily felt like you know a champion with a, a notable run yet. So do they already give it up to Wardlow this fast? Dude, I cannot even go over the the TNT title lineage of the past three months. It's just no, it's, my it's, head's spinning. It's messy. Yeah. But I, I'm with you. Like, I, I don't see how you get out of not having Wardlow win the title unless they get really creative. And I don't think now's the time to be, you know, beating Wardlow even with some contrived kind of finish. I don't think people mm-hmm. would respond well to that. But before the TNT title, Wardlow has some opposition, and that is Mark Sterling, who warns him about how he ripped up the legal documents last week, and he gives Wardlow two options. You can either face me in the court of law, or you can wrestle 20 security guards in an elimination match next week. A 20-on-one <laughs> elimination this match This man next is quite week. the lawyer. I like to know where he got his degree, where they, um, <laughs> I don't know, teach negotiation like this. I hope this 20-on-1 match is like literally two minutes. And he kills these 20 guys. These Is that physically possible to destroy 20 men? And if it goes minutes? any longer, I think it's going to drag. And this, I think he should have to pin all 20 men. He has to. He has to pin each one. Oh, he did. Sorry. Yes, you're right. Wow. I don't, well, I don't know how that's physically possible. Yeah, it might not be. Do the math. I'm trying to like 20 times three. That's, I mean, six, that's a minute right there. Well, it'd be, it'd be a really fast referee too. It should be just have to powerbomb them. I, I think this could uh twenty's a lot. This is a lot. We will see how they how they pull this one off. I mean, maybe it'll just be uh, tremendous carnage for five minutes. Maybe they'll stack them all like twenty deep. That would be tough. It'd be tough to get on top of that. A ladder or something. Mm-hmm. The young bucks are in their their room, and um, Brandon's filming, so that there's nothing to uh, be curious yes. about. And they're reflecting on their week, beating Jurassic Express and the Lucha Brothers last week in California. And the Hardys walk into their trailer and remind them that we beat you at double or nothing. So both teams are arguing who deserves the next tag title shot. When Jungle Boy and Christian Cage enter, uh, Jurassic Express and Christian Cage enter, and Cage is explaining how they need to earn a title shot, but brings up you did pin Jungle Boy in his hometown in front of his family. (laughs) (laughs) Just rubbing it in. So Christian Cage suggests that the three teams have a ladder match next week. Jungle Boy's like, what? And they all agree. So Jeff Hardy, after nearly being knocked out at double or nothing, has been booked in a ladder match next Wednesday, three days before he has to go do triple mania with Matt against Dralistico and Dragon Lee. I, I thought that this was just... I, I, I literally, I do not want to see Jeff Hardy in a ladder match next week. Mm-hmm. I don't care what he says this week. I'm sure he's, hey, I'm 100%. I'm good to go. I just think it's really careless to put Jeff in an environment where you know he is going to have to do something insane. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't like this idea at, at all um, with Jeff. I'm not crazy about Matt having to be in a ladder match. Like, it's, you're really pushing it with... Like some of your talents and the expectation level uh, of this match, uh, primarily with, with the Hardys having to be in there. Yeah, I agree absolutely. Um, I think if you do put the lat- uh, Hardys in a ladder match, you save that for a pay per view. 
You know, yeah, this is for- a week's notice on free television. It reminds yeah. me of the time they did a TLC match on a SmackDown mm-hmm. and on no notice. And all those guys just afterwards stating like, you, we should not be throwing these out there it was a great on, match. on TV. Yeah, but, it was a great yeah. match. It also was the match Water. that led to Benoit needing to take a year off. Like, that was the match that did it for him. And it watered down the TLC concept. Um, and not to say the ladder concept is in need of any sort of protecting, but I think the Hardys in combination uh, uh, with a ladder um, and, and the Hardys and the Bucks meeting together in a ladder type of match is, is something that should be protected. And- At the very least, I would want this built up over a bit longer, um, mm-hmm. even if you're going to do a television match like like you can do it on TV, but on a week and with Jeff Hardy just coming off, um, you know, that that story, a double or nothing. I just like, how are you doing this? Like, I just think yeah. that's. A really just uh, unnecessary risk, completely unnecessary. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure that you know they have their doctors who feel like. I mean, if you remember, it was Matt Hardy saying he was almost knocked out, not that he was. Okay, so, he was. He, he was pretty like he was loopy. He says he he claims he didn't remember any of it. So yeah, that's like that's what does that mean? He can't bad. remember the match. Yeah, yeah. Okay, he wasn't unconscious. No, no it's it's certainly definitely questionable. Thunder Rosa and Marina Shafir for the women's title. Um, Shafir tied up her legs, was hitting her with hip strikes, and then Rosa's coming back with chops and knees from the tie clinch. They go through the break, and there's a front kick that rocks Shafir. They were really laying it in with one another. Mm-hmm. Um, there's running clotheslines in the corner, hard drop kicks with Shafir against the ropes, and then uh, bridging Northern Lights for a two count. And then Shafir goes for a pump handle into an overhead suplex. Rosa back with a death valet driver. And then counters a suplex into a roll-up, pinning Marina Shafir. Which, it seemed like the audience, they, they had moments they got into this. This was at a later part of the show. And Marina Shafir is a cold challenger on top of it. Mm-hmm. But um, I, I thought they, they worked like a very physical match for the time they had. Yeah, it was. Uh, I thought it was a really good match, and a little surprising seeing Shafir get the spot because we haven't seen her on Dynamite at all since. Or like, I don't even know. Like, was that Jade Cargill match? Was that Rampage? Was that Rampage or Dynamite? It doesn't that matter. Was the, that was the thirtieth win, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it doesn't was... matter. Like, we haven't seen yeah, yeah. Marina, Marina Shafir in a significant spot in quite some time. So to, just to kind of all of a sudden catapult her into this World Title Championship match. I wonder what the thinking was. You know, was it simply, well, we need some presence from Thunder Rosa and why not make it a championship match to try to get a pe- pe- people a little bit more invested in Which that 930 fine. spot? I, yeah. It's fine. Yeah, I, I don't mind it either. Um, and I think in addition to that, I, I don't know if, if maybe they, the two of them decided or if it was, you know, dictated to try to get them to work a more physical style because 930 is a struggle. And uh, 930 women's match, you know, in, in a division that doesn't have too many challengers is a struggle. And 930 is a struggle when you're Marina Shafir and you haven't had too much TV time. So I I thought they really compensated very well by, you know, giving you like a really hard hitting match that I think you could enjoy, even if you didn't really know who she was. Um, it showed to me like how far Shafir has really come along. Uh, and I thought it was a better match than the Jade match. Absolutely. Probably. I mean, the best match that at least on TV we've had from Marina, Marina Shafir so far uh, showed Th- Thunder Rosa's versatility. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I thought this was good. 
Shafir then nails her with a kick from behind afterwards and throws her to the mat, applying her submission, greedy, when Tony Storm runs down to save Thunder Rosa, and Rosa lays her out with the Fire Thunder driver, and Tony Storm grabs the title and then hands it back, giving Thunder Rosa a look. So, um... A lot going on here after. Like there's the there's Shafir getting in her cheap shot on Thunder Rosa, and now you have Tony Storm introduced into the mix as well. So multiple directions you can go. Um, I'm guessing Shafir is done, and they simply needed like a beatdown on Rosa for Storm to save the bridge for Tony. Yes. Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, it's it's all a little convoluted, but you weren't going to have Shafir beat. Um, Rosa, right? No. So she had to beat her up after losing uh, just so Storm can come in for the save. But, I mean, to me, it seems like it's Storm versus Rosa that we're building up to. Um, and I think it's a logical next challenger. You know, um, Storm, Tony Storm is somebody that I could actually see could potentially beat Thunder Rosa for the championship. Um, not saying she will, but she's somebody who I could at least buy, you know, in, in terms of star level um, that would be, you know, that Tony would want to put the title uh, pass the title on. I mean, would it have, if this is the the direction and this clearly looks to be it, would it have yeah. not been somewhat um, more natural if Tony Storm had won this Owen tournament? 100%. Yeah. So, so true. I, I'm not exactly sure why Britt Baker won that. Like, we still have not nor, had an explanation of Adam you, Cole. No, yeah. Uh, the same thing. Like, you could have Adam Cole use that Owen title as the reason why he should be a, any kind of alluded to that. I'm a champion. You're not, but he's but, not going to go for like, he, I think page is going ahead, but sure. Okay. Please go. Yeah. Go, ahead, go on. No, I just, we haven't really had any explanation of what the Owen winner got beyond yeah. like a commemorative belt. And yeah. this could have like tied into uh, something here. And mm-hmm. like, again, we, we haven't even, you know, Baker wasn't even on this show. So, I mean, you've just beat Tony Storm in the tournament, and now she gets the, the title. I think there could have been a clearer direction of where you were going here. It would have made better use of the Owen tournament. Yeah. Tony Schiavone, who Excalibur noted at one point is really getting the steps up on tonight's show, is with the baddies, and Stokely Hathaway asks who they're facing this week uh, and refers to Chris Statlander as Kristen Highlander, and it will be her versus Red Velvet, and she's going to be begging like Keith Sweat. And I'll tell you who was sweating, Excalibur, because the next segment he had to promote in order. Rampage coming up this Friday night. It's going to be Red Velvet against Chris Stoutlander. Then it's Will Ospreay in his AEW debut, teaming up with Aussie Open Note, taking on FDR and Trent. Satnam Singh making his debut, teaming up with Jay Lethal, Jay Hager, and Eddie Kingston. It's official. I can't even do this, dude. I don't know how he does it. Hook and Danhausen are going to speak. Then we've got Road Rager next week. Hair versus hair match with Ortiz and Jericho. This, to me, needed promos tonight for the hair versus hair match. Yeah, agreed. I thought Video that was a, or something. You know? I think that was uh, victims of the formatting of all this stuff on the show, like mm-hmm. a hair versus hair match. I know they'll do their road to or something next week, but man, you you've you've got to use your biggest show to yep. pump up something big like that. And a ladder match that just, man, on a week's notice, they're throwing out next week on this show, plus the Wardlow 20-on-1 security match, and then Miro against Ethan Page in the All-Atlantic qualifier as Canada and Bulgaria meet for rights to the uh, to the ocean. Oh, the classic Canada-Bulgaria rivalry. Oh, goes, it runs deep, yes. Yeah. Uh, Dude, this I mean, was nine things he had to plug, and then coming up next, Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly. 
a little bit tripped up a little bit here. I, I felt, oh, um, dude, this guy gets every goal again in the world. I oh, mean. I don't, I don't blame him <laughs> at all. It's, I mean, I, I get the sense that it's like they're, 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 I'm sure they're very self aware about what this is, and it's almost like here's a challenge for Excalibur. Can he do it this week? And I'm sure Tony Khan is enjoying this segment as much as you know. Anywhere. I enjoy it. I can't lie. Like yeah. it's you know, and, and the 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 alternative that I mean. You do have to hammer this stuff home. Like I, I think, like this is good to. I go suppose off. so. Does it in the end? Does it even do that much? The the point is, it spreads online. It gets it on on the internet. It gets it on the podcast like this, and then people are talking about it. But for for me, like I feel like the you know the intent of the segment at this point has become how is Excalibur going to do versus how much information am I actually retaining? And the main event is John Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly. Winner goes to Forbidden Door. Uh, there's a dragon screw by Kyle through the ropes. So the same uh, same spot he used to, that helped him win the battle royal. And with Moxley's leg caught in the rope, he is hit with the bombs away knee drop. Kyle works on the leg throughout the break. And then Moxley knocks him off balance, hits a superplex. They're trading boots. Kyle's mouth is placed on the ropes. And as he's like biting on the rope, Moxley kicks it. Brutal looking. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, hits a huge lariat for a two count, dropping elbows, knee strike drops Moxley, and then Moxley hits a cutter and goes for a gotch pile driver, and Kyle counters it into a triangle, transitions to a knee bar, and Moxley escapes hitting a pile driver for a two count. They trade slaps, they trade suplexes, and then they both collapse in each other's arms. I thought that was a very cool spot as they were exhausted from this war. And then Moxley locks on the choke, uh, turns it into the bulldog choke, knees to the head, regal knee, and then a paradigm shift pins Kyle in 14 minutes and 14 seconds i thought this main event was excellent my definite match of the show oh without a doubt like i i would put this up against anything on double or nothing and in ring it it might have been like the best match possibly like i thought this was so great and it it feels like it we say it all the time but like i i feel like they always deliver like tv match of the year candidates you know, if we're just judging by what's what's the best match this year, it, it, to me this was like a bit of a dream match, and um, I thought they more than delivered. I think Moxley continues to show how capable he is wrestling a more submission based MMA style. Of course, you know this is a multi uh, blood sport, multi time blood sport veteran now, but this is also a guy who could brawl. This is also a guy who could just you know um, do straight up professional wrestling really well. Um, I really do feel like he continues to like make a case for being, you know, one of the best wrestlers of the year, if not the best. And Kyle O'Reilly, I think this was his best match in AEW to date. Um, he really dug into that baby face fire here. And I can see from a performance like this th- that they might be, you know, encouraged to break him off in uh, the undisputed elite sooner than later. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, over as a net positive, it certainly was for Kyle O'Reilly on this show that 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 stood out even in losing. It was a tremendous main event. And I feel bad saying this after that main event because I really, really enjoyed this main event. Um, but as a whole, I, I was I was more down on this dynamite than than, than most weeks. I, I, I had a lot of issues with some of the booking on the show and some of the like the introduction of the new belt. Um, I wasn't crazy about just like the handling of the whole interim title thing and the Wardlow explanation that um, I definitely had more complaints than usual for, for this dynamite. Yeah. Understandable. You know, you, you, uh, I guess uh, logically explained everything that you, you felt. I, I mean, I, I just, 
I was entertained. I was entertained by the battle battle royal. I was certainly entertained by the main event. Um, and you know, I thought you had some really solid wrestling all throughout the show. You know, between Pac versus Buddy Matthews, uh, introduction of the championship. I'm com- in complete agreement with with you about that. Um, seems unnecessary, but the match itself was good. Uh, Thunder Rosa versus uh, Marina Shafir. I thought was a good match as well. All right, uh, we'll hit up some feedback. And yeah, super chats. Yeah, we got uh, a couple super chats here. Thank you, MJ, who sends two dollars. He says it feels like a title. Uh, speaking of the All Atlantic Championship, he says it feels like a title to put on a G one participant. Why do Why do G one participants need belts? Why Why is it the All Atlantic Champion going to Japan? I don't know. I have no idea. Um, hmm. Sure, I guess um, you could do that. I. I you're right. I, I don't think it adds a, a whole lot by having a title uh, on the person that, that goes over. Mm-hmm. You could do that. And Ramin sends 20 SEK. So thank you so much for the 20 SEK. I wish I knew what the SEK stood for, but thank you so much for the support. He it says, I, we're, ri- we're rich, dude. We're retiring. <laughs> it's a gigantic investment. 20 SEK says, I agree with John on the whole battle royal issue. So there you go, John. Plenty of people that seem to agree with you as well. We'll head to feedback right now at forum.postwrestling.com. This is available to all of our patrons at the Post Wrestling Cafe. So if you sign up for an account, you can go to forum.postwrestling.com, log in with the same email that you use on Patreon, and you have access to the feedback threads uh, for all of our shows, including MCU Later. So that's up there right now. Yes. We'll start off with Johnny. Okay. Just want to say I really did enjoy this episode, but I have two big complaints. Why are they introducing another singles championship? I know ROH is a separate thing, but we have the world title, pure title, TV title. I know Tony Khan says he's waiting for Omega to return for trios belts, but we don't know when he's returning. Just introduce those belts and have the elite chase for the title. And my second big complaint, if the plan was Tony Storm as Thunder's next program, why didn't she beat Britt? Why not add more credibility to Tony to chase the belt? Britt didn't need that win, and if Tony does plan ahead, as he always claims, then this is poor booking that, that's another point that you raised earlier in the show that i'm in complete agreement with we don't know what the next direction is for Britt baker i mean jamie is it jamie hater it's jamie hater yeah jamie jamie hater did the whole holding the belt thing last mm-hmm. week if you remember right but i i think she hardly needed to win the whole owen tournament for something like that you know um so, yeah, I, I agree. I think it should have gone to Tony Storm. We got an air from Cork Ireland who says there was some good wrestling on the show, but the booking and pacing was terrible. If I didn't know better, I would think that having Jurassic Express defend in another three-way and doing yet another ladder match in the same match was purposely trolling. I don't know why Cole has to be involved with the Hangman Okada feud. Why can't we just have somebody make a challenger and not feel the need to add things in? Well, presumably they they have TV matches to build to on on route to the pay per view, so yeah, that's probably why. Moxley feels like the right choice for the interim title. I assume this means that Yuta will replace him in Blood and Guts. Oh, that's a good question. Well, no, not they're on different shows, so Moxley could still do Blood and Guts. Yeah, yeah, Blood and Guts is on the 29th after Forbidden Door. Yeah. I guess uh, the, the the question would be like you you would hope that that Danielson is is back by then. Um. Yeah, I think he will be. I I think this person, this feedback is saying somehow Moxley would need it to be replaced, which I don't think is the case. 
Okay, no, yeah, like this interim title thing will be decided on the su- mm-hmm. on the Sunday, and Blood and Guts is that that following week. Mm-hmm. Eric says I have no. But interest- they also made no mention of Blood and Guts tonight either. Like they didn't really. <laughs> they had nine other I, matches I guess to so. promote. I, guess, dude. I don't even know what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> he says I have no interest in Osprey and the excitement that seems to be around him debuting. Just shows how little most fans and media care about speaking out. He's still friends with and has matches with the likes of Scotty Davis and Paul Robinson. He hasn't grown up or learned from his mistakes, and there is no evidence that he has. All right, we'll continue on with uh, Mark, and he says that uh, definitely like that the definitely like the Casino Battle Royale. I felt like several people in the group standing who haven't been positioned as main event players could have easily been slotted into the Moxley match and feel like they belonged. Aside from Kyle, you had Andrade, Darby, Swerve, Phoenix, Yuta. Do you see any possible scenario where the IWGP and AEW World Championship are flipped at Forbidden Door? Uh, flipped. Um, well, the AEW title is, is you know, going to be decided. So, uh, like, if the question is, could you see it being put on Tanahashi? Uh, let's say Tanahashi, because it won't be Goto. Um, I, I don't know what the, I don't know what the point of it would be because the whole point of this interim title is to have this championship in Punk's absence. And if you're putting it on someone that's obviously doing the G1, you're losing it for a month, five weeks. Is it obvious that he's doing? Yeah, he'll probably do the G1. I can't likely. fathom on. I cannot fathom Tanahashi. I, well, there that's will come why it'll be Goto, John. You know, <laughs> the, the, taking Goto out of the G1 this year, he's he's sticking around in the U.S. Yeah. Um, no, it does kind of telegraph, you know, the timing of, of all of that. All right. Um, is it still out of the question? I mean, Tanahashi can't hold – like, why, why wouldn't Tanahashi be the interim championship while still running through the G1 and then coming back to defend or to challenge Punk for it at, at All Out, for instance, or something? I mean, why are you adding an interim title then? I mean, it's just a way to make a number one contender spot and, and to fill another spot that was a championship match on this card, right? Well, the other question is, like, do they know when Punk is going to be back? Yeah, yeah, that's that's another good question. I mean, a foot injury, I suppose you would hope that he would be back by uh, All Out, for instance, but you're, you're, you're right, we don't know. Um, but I certainly don't see Paige winning the IWGP championship, uh, nor... Who else is it? Adam Cole. I, I don't see that happening for a second. Uh, okay. Uh, up next, we've got a stick who says, I'm pretty sure only half of the countries whose flags are on the all-Atlantic title actually border the Atlantic Ocean. Such a stupid name and an incredibly unnecessary title. Noah from Vaughn. Uh, lots of hard-hitting wrestling tonight. Love the main event. Really interested in the All-Atlantic Championship. I think it opens up tons of opportunities for members of the roster that aren't in the current plans for the TNT or world title. I think Malachi Black would be an excellent first champion. If we do end up getting Page versus Okada and Moxie versus Tanahashi, which of the two do you see main eventing the show? Um, I, w- I would say if those were your matches, um, and we don't know if they will be yet, I would think that Tanahashi and Moxley would be your main event. Agreed. I think stateside. The thing is, though, it's an interim championship. Does that change things at all? You know, like we're essentially watching a number one contenders match versus a a legitimate IWGP championship match. I think it's the biggest match. And I think it's also going to be the match that the the audience would be hottest for of of, of the two. Mm hmm. That would be my I, thinking. I tend to agree. It's the match with, you know, technically the longest build if, you, if you're if you a New Japan strong fan. You know, Mox has been, or even AEW fan. Like, he's mentioned it once or twice, wanting to face Tanahashi. So, um, yeah, it would probably be the hottest match on the show. Yeah. In regards to the All-Atlantic Championship, I, I kind of am of the opposite opinion that, 
Like I, I think the fewer people that get their hands on championships make them feel that much more important that it's only a select few that ever get to that championship level. And this Mm -hmm. is the opposite where it's just, you have just a laundry list of people holding titles that like, what does it really mean when you're winning uh, one of these like level three titles? And it just, to me is okay. You've, you've won a title, but to me it's, it doesn't really bring with the importance that, that it, that it should. So I, I actually like when it's, it's fewer people that end up becoming champions, but they have a different thought process. I'm in agreement. Uh, we go to Muggin who says the main event stole this episode. It was never a doubt that Moxley would win, but Kyle O'Reilly bookending the show and he put on a, but Kyle O'Reilly bookending this show put on a hell of a performance that made him look strong in defeat. Your move, Tanahashi. Hangman Page bounced back from double or nothing and calling out Okada for an IWGP title match bolsters Forbidden Door significantly. AEW has too many titles on TV with the inception of the All-Atlantic title and the Owen Cup titles need to be stored in a trophy case. It's going to get confusing if the Owen titles are staying on television any longer. Okay, and the last word goes to Kate from Montreal. A bit of a weird one tonight with a killer main event and some peculiar booking decisions. Not having Kingston make it to the Final Four in the Battle Royal feels like a lost opportunity, while having an open challenge for the women's title seems to be an admission that they haven't been able to elevate exciting opponents through the ranking system. If they want additional singles titles, they have the ones from ROH, so I don't see the point of adding a new one other than we love tournaments, or perhaps we screwed up the TNT title so badly that we're just moving on to something else. But if you're going to introduce the new Atlantic title, maybe don't make it an advertisement for the fact that you don't no geography there are competitors from australia japan and bulgaria none of which border the atlantic yes this is a very curiously named title maybe maybe this is some like hidden meaning to this this championship maybe it's um everyone that that is in the tournament um were fans of like mid-atlantic wrestling i mean wasn't wasn't that the inspiration didn't they say something to the effect of like somehow somewhat inspired by like um something to do with the past you know, a title that existed in the past called something similar. I don't know, but I didn't hear the explanation. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not that hung up on. I mean, on like, uh, well, how do we feel about the European Championship? You yeah, know, or, I mean, or, it's... or any sort of title that denotes some sort of like representation of a country? Like, just because a, uh, uh, I don't know, there's a European title doesn't mean other people can't challenge for it. Um, but I mean, the belt design I do think maybe should reflect um, a bit more of what the championship actually is. Yeah, I, I I I think it's just like it's uh, it's it's more so the, the the title itself that people have more the yeah. issue with. Yeah, I mean, I would say it feels, um, except for that one piece of feedback. But otherwise, like I, I mean, I've been seeing nothing but negativity towards the announcement of this one, and maybe this uh, episode of of Dynamite in general. You know, um, a bit of a falter at least. You know, in in terms of long term decision making. Yeah, I mean they were they were throwing a a big change last week with, with the punk stuff, and I'm sure a lot of stuff had to be greatly rearranged. And yeah, uh, like th- th- this to me was just not at, at the level of of most dynamites. But like you still had an excellent main event. Like I would certainly recommend uh, John Moxley and Kyle O'Reilly. But that's gonna wrap up the show. So thanks to everybody for joining us live tonight. Uh, we're back tomorrow Thursday live at one Eastern for the post daily news show. MCU later Thursday night with waiting in WH Park going over episode one of Miss Marvel that is now available on Disney Plus. So you can watch the episode and then hear Way and WH's thoughts. And then uh, we will be back rewind to SmackDown Friday night at eleven Eastern the normal time with SmackDown at eight, Rampage at ten, and then afterwards we will make sense of it all and take your phone calls.
That's right. Yeah. Once a week, Friday nights is when we take your you know, video calls or audio calls, if you prefer. Uh, that's available to all members at postwrestlingcafe.com. Uh, one last super chat here at the very last minute here from Felipe from Chile, who says, what if, who sends uh, 2,500 Chilean pesos, by the way, thank you, Felipe. He says, what if Tanahashi wins, he stays in the U.S., and another top talent goes to the G1 in his place? Maybe Brian? Can't wait for Baku this weekend. Go Leclerc. Um, a talent trade in, in lieu of Tanahashi not entering the G1. Is that possible? Um, I'd say small percentage. I just, I don't think Tanahashi is at the level of even like a Suzuki where they, they, they had kept them out of the G1. Um, yeah. I just don't see such Tana- a big difference maker for like the local ticket sale he, he has certainly been reduced like he's not the guy you're protecting until the final few days he's definitely doing much more losses now um but yeah i it would it would surprise me if he was omitted from the g1 that that would tell me that would be quite the commitment for them to take him out of the g1 that um i, I just mm-hmm. don't see that happening you can't say 100 percent though and is it like even if it was a trade like like brian okay take take the biggest star who might cross over to new japan like, is Brian a bigger difference maker for a Japanese ticket-buying fan than Hiroshi Tanahashi is? I I, I would not want to swap Tanahashi out uh, for that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Even well, though those would be some fantastic matches. It'd be great but, for us. Like, great, it'd be great for North American audience. Yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. really be um, – people would be very engaged in the G1 with, it, with, with, a, with a Brian, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's right. it. Thanks, everyone, for your super chats and feedback. Checking out the show. Uh, Do subscribe to the channel, and we will be back on Thursday with your post-daily news show.